Well, I do want to share, we're going to do just a a quick time in God's Word, and I'm so glad to have our uh, junior church class with us. Having all the kids in here is always fun and great, and so I know we won't be too terribly long. Uh, But I do want to share as well that um, if you enjoyed those videos, um, that ministry is uh, a ministry that we've utilized for a few years now. Uh, It is called Sports spectrum and you can they have a website and you can go on there and they have tons of interviews by not just uh football players but any and all sports so their ministry is a faith-based sports production company and so their whole ministry is about finding these stories sharing these stories letting people kind of hear this side of all of this and getting to hear testimonies from different athletes of all different sports kinds and enjoying that together so I do want to do this before we're dismissed. We're going to, again, just spend some time in God's Word. If you would turn with me to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. If you're using one of the Bibles provided, you can turn to page 705. Mark chapter 8, page 705, if you're using one of the Bibles provided. And I just want to look at the passage that, that Brock was referring to, that he referenced as something that helped him and encouraged him this season. And I think it's a great reminder to all of us to keep our eyes on what this life is really all about and who's leading and guiding and directing the life that we're living. And so Mark chapter 8, and we're just going to read verses 34 and 35. So Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 35. The Bible says, And when he had called the people unto him, With his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. Let's pray and ask God to affirm his word in our hearts and minds. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for these testimonies, Lord. Thank you for the encouragement to know that there are those in the realm of sports and athletics, Lord, that are making an impact for you. Uh, Lord, I watched a lot of videos this last week that we didn't even really use this morning. And it was so encouraging to hear athlete and player after player share about how a team chaplain would bring a Bible study and how that would encourage them and strengthen them in their walk with Christ. Lord, thinking about the game tonight, even to hear individuals of leadership, whether it be assistant coaches or those in in leadership positions for both the Chiefs and the Eagles, talking about how their walk with Christ has made a huge impact in their life. And so, Lord, again, I know that in our day and age of media and all those things, Lord, the stories that really get a lot of attention are the stories of when these athletes make a mistake, when they do something that we would disagree with. And, Lord, I'm not saying those things are right, those that are making this opportunity that we have, Lord. And I pray for uh, maybe they love a certain sport. They love playing a certain sport. They enjoy athletics. Maybe they envision themselves one day being a pro and playing professional baseball or football or maybe professional soccer or whatever it is, Lord. And Lord, you've already put that desire within them, Lord. And I believe that's part of that leading us and guiding us, Lord. And so I pray for that young man or young woman that is feeling that that love for sports, and that love for athletics. And Lord, I pray they would know it's not an either or. It's not a be a sold out ball player or be a sold out follower of Christ. They can be both. Where we commit our lives to Christ and we desire to follow you. And in the midst of that, you lead us into opportunities 
And maybe you're going to lead some of these young people to a, a career in athletics. And Lord, I pray they would know that they can make an impact for you. And right now, as they're on a team in school, or maybe they're playing some rec ball, or they're doing some kind of activity, Lord, use them right where they're at, no matter their age, that they would share Christ with somebody on their team, a coach. And Lord, we just thank you for working in all these things. Lord, give us wisdom in your word as we desire to understand more of what you're saying here so that we might apply it to our lives. Thank you for all of this. And again, if anyone doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray you would lead them unto you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark here in the Gospel of Mark chapter 8. There's a lot that happens before this passage that we read. Um, if you go back to the beginning of chapter 8, you're going to see the feeding of the 4,000. You're going to see all these things happen. You're going to see a miracle of blindness being healed. You're going to see a lot of things happen. You're going to see Peter's confession of faith and him share his faith of who Christ really is. And all of this is going on. And it's in the midst of this that Jesus says something that honestly would drive most people away, not draw most people in. I've always been amazed by things that Jesus would say, especially at times like this. I mean, people are interested, there's a desire, people are coming, they're seeing miracles, and Jesus looks at them and says, that's great, you want to follow me? Take up your cross and be ready to die. You're holding on to your life too tight, you got to let go of that life, and then you'll find life. And there's people in the audience that are just blown away by this, like, did he just say, we have to die to follow him? Like, that can't be what he really meant. I don't know if I'm really ready to surrender. I don't know if I'm really ready to give my life to Christ. You know, it's amazing to me. We have that phrase in Christianity. You need to give your life to Christ. And most of the time when I've heard it referenced, it's with regards to salvation. Somebody will say, you know, if you want to be saved, you just need to give your life to Christ. And I love that phrase in connection with salvation. But I think we've watered down that phrase and we've changed what it really means. Because when most people tell someone about the salvation that's available through Christ, and then they'll say, you need to give your life to Christ, we interpret that as like the part of my life I want to give to Christ. What part of our lives do we want to give to Christ? The eternal part, not the present part. Lord, you can have me for eternity. Thank you for saving me for eternity. Thank you for heaven for eternity. But if I could have the next 20 to 50 years for me, that'd be great. And I'll work you in on the weekends, but you know, if most of it can be mine. I mean, stop and pause for a second. Would you honestly say, as we're going to dive into just a moment, would you honestly say you have, don't answer out loud, but you have given your life to Christ? You see, right now in Jesus' ministry, there are many interested people following Christ, but they're not followers of Christ. There are many interested people who are interested of following Christ, but they're not followers of Christ. They love the miracles. They love the healings. They love the free food. They love all of it. But you ever notice that Jesus has this moment of calling a crowd to make a choice? Yeah, the food's great. The healings are great. Will you really follow me? In another gospel, what does he say? You must eat my flesh and drink my blood. Ew. That's gross. I'm not doing that. What was Jesus referring to? Well, we know in the New Testament he was referring to the communion. He was referring to the idea of him shedding his blood for us and dying on a cross for our sins. 
And so here Jesus lays down some hard truth that the people needed to respond to. Also notice, he doesn't just say this to his disciples. He says it to his disciples, but also he says it to the crowd. This is where sometimes people will say, well, you know, we preach certain kind of messages to the crowds and certain kind of messages to the Christians because we don't want to offend the unchurched or the non-churched or the de-churched or the whatever church. We don't want to offend them. Now, I believe churches are offensive just to be offensive, and that's wrong. I believe there's churches that are spiritual. I, I won't say that phrase. I'm, let, me, let me think through that a little bit better. Thank you, Lord, for that restraining. Anyone else thankful the Lord can sometimes hold our tongue when we're just aware? I just remember the kids were in here, and I don't need a kid going home saying this to their parents. And the parents are like, thanks, Pastor John. Appreciate that. It's not a bad word. Don't go there, but... But they just are just, just mean for meanness sake. Just, just want to just be mean to people and use the Bible to try to beat people up. I'm not saying we do that. But we can call people to the truth of God's word. We can speak truth in love. And here we see Jesus does that. What he says is offensive, but because the truth is offensive. And that's what I mean. I think the truth is offensive enough. We don't need to be offensive on top of it. And so Jesus lays down some very key things here to being a follower of Christ as his disciple. And I want to say it that way. We are talking about being a follower of Christ as his disciple. It's not I'm a follower of Christ or a disciple. Or I'm saved but not a disciple yet. There's no division in scripture that splits those two apart. As a saved believer, confessed of your sins, received the gift of salvation through Christ, you are a disciple. We have to get that. It's not, well, I'm saved, but I'm not really a disciple. There's no such thing in the New Testament. If you're not a disciple, not hungry to follow the teachings and things of Christ, and I'm not saying you do it perfectly all the time, but if there's no desire to give your life to Christ daily as, his, as your Lord and Savior, then I would probably encourage you to really think through your salvation experience. There needs to be a desire to say, no, Lord, I want to be a disciple. I want to be a follower of Christ. Again, do we do it perfectly? No. Praise God, there's grace that we can cry out and say, Lord, I, forgive me for getting my eyes off you. Forgive me for making this sin decision. And I repent of that and I turn from that. But Lord, my heart's desire is to be a follower of Christ. Jesus lays down three keys in this simple couple of verses, complete surrender to him. Complete surrender to him. Whoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Complete surrender to him. Secondly, and I, like I said, I'm, we're going quickly, but secondly, to identify with him in suffering and in death. To identify with him. We talked about this last week. That we identify with him in any trials and persecutions and hardships we go through. We identify we're going through this with Christ, for Christ. And we follow him obediently wherever he leads. And I love when, when Brock was saying that, you know, I, I, I couldn't hold on to this so tightly. I can't lose this. I can't lose this. He said, no, I needed to keep doing what I've always done, which is just realize, Lord, whatever your will is, I'll follow. To go from like, I may never play football again 
to, Lord, if this is what you have, then help me to, to do my best this week. And that, we need to live our lives that way. When we are saved, we don't keep our lives as they were. We are changed and made new. If you know Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, your life is not yours. You've been bought with a price. So a question I have to ask this morning is, do you know Christ? I'm not asking, did you say a prayer? I'm not asking, did you join a membership class? Did you join a church? Did you get baptized? Did you grow up in a Christian home? Did you read the Bible? Do you do good things? Are you a good person? Do you try to be good and moral? I didn't ask any of that because none of that leads to salvation. There's only one thing that leads us to eternal life. And that is the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to ask it again. And I, I want you to do this right now. We're going to have an invitation in just a moment. But I want you to think through this right there where you are. You've been given this moment. You have breath in your lungs right now. The ability to think and reason. To think about what I'm saying, what God's word says. The spirit of God is working to draw you either unto repentance that you might receive by faith and grace the salvation, or you will reject it. It is your choice that God has given to you. He has given to every man a measure of faith that you might believe. And so I'm asking, not did you do any of those other things. Do you know Christ? And are you known of him? Do you have a relationship with Christ? If you would say yes, then your life is not your own. So the next question I have to ask is, would you say you are living in complete surrender to whatever God would have for your life and however he would lead you? Are you holding your life so tight that it has to be your way? It has to be this or that. It has to be what I want. And you're finding you're actually losing. But if you're holding that life so tight, the only outcome we can expect is to lose the joy, the peace, the love that we have in Christ to lose the presence of that in our lives. We don't lose our salvation. But if we are walking and surrendered to Christ, looking to him and asking him, Lord, lead me and guide me, then you know the presence and peace that is present there. The, 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 the relationship with Christ, what that brings. So are you holding your life so tightly that you're not actually living the abundant life that John 10 says is available to us? The reality is freedom comes in surrender. True freedom comes when we completely surrender and say, Lord, this is not my life. This is your life. The life that I now live, I live by the faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Those are Paul's words. So, so let me just ask you, because again, the Bible says, boast not tomorrow because you don't know what a day may bring forth. We have no idea what's going to happen today, later today, tomorrow. I want to ask you, do you know Christ? Have you given your life to Christ? Or have you just said a prayer, gone to church? Think you're good because your parents are Christian. Do you know Christ? I'm going to ask you to bow right there with your, or to pray right there with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I'm just going to ask you as we prepare to have this time of invitation that you would 
Begin to really evaluate your standing right now with Christ. No, not worrying about anything else, not thinking about anything else. But to honestly evaluate your walk with Christ right now, would you say that your life is completely surrendered to him? I know that day to day there are times where we take our life back out of his hands and we think we can do it better and we think we can do it in a more effective way. We think we have our wants and our desires. But I'm saying as the majority of your life, would you say it's given to Christ? And where you've seen, you've tried to take it out of his hands, you've seen it not work out real well. Maybe you'd repent of that and say, Lord, my life is yours because you died for me on a cross. You were buried and you rose again. And by faith, through grace, you have saved me and redeemed me and given me eternal life. And so I live my life for you. I surrender to you. Complete obedience. I want to identify in Christ to the point of even suffering. Complete surrender. And if you're here right now with your heads bowed and no one looking around and you don't know Christ, maybe right there where you are, you would say, Lord, I know I've sinned, I know I've fallen short. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for going to the cross for me, for being buried in that tomb and rising again. And I surrender my life to you, that I would live for you. If you're here this morning, as you continue to pray, if you, the desire of your heart rather is to pray that prayer. Now, again, please don't think the words of a specific prayer will save anyone. It's the crying out of our heart. It's the, the heart agreeing with all that God says about our need of salvation, the gospel, asking to be saved, crying out for him, believing he died for you. And the words can be simple, as simple as just a cry, Lord, forgive me. Whatever it is, I pray that you would respond to him in faith. But for anyone here that's a believer this morning, maybe you've been living your life like your life is your life, except for Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, but it's your life. Maybe you'd come and say, Lord, help me to strive to give my life to you every day, to live in surrender and obedience. Father, we thank you for this morning. Pray you be glorified in all of this. Lead, guide, and direct, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning as we sing a song of invitation? Would you respond this morning? Do you need to know Christ, be known of him? Or do you need to come and say, Lord, my life is not mine, it's yours. Help me to surrender to you. Whatever God is doing, would you respond and cry out to him as we sing?